This is the Ether Review, a talk show passing the components of the Ethereum global computing platform and its ecosystem. Building on a basic knowledge of the blockchain, we seek to understand the mechanics behind this new generation computing network and the services it powers. For those listeners who have been living under a rock for the last three days, the DAO has been hacked. As I wear two podcasting hats, one of which has a bright blue consensus logo on it, I have to partition the opinions and attitudes that I express and the interviews that I conduct between two different, shall we say, worldviews, one of which is entirely my own and the other one is informed by consensus, the organisation. This being the Ether Review, I'm inclined to be much more candid than I would be if this was State Change, the official consensus podcast. So let me be absolutely clear that the opinions expressed in this episode of the Ether Review are purely those of the individuals expressing them and have absolutely no bearing on consensus views. As an organization, consensus is absolutely dedicated to developing the Ethereum ecosystem and uh, cultivating the community and, and, and playing a role uh, of, of neutral party. And, uh, and so they have absolutely no, uh, no skin in the game with uh, discussion about hard forks or anything like that. It's important to really understand that the only people with anything to do with the hack that's just taken place are the DAO token holders, the hacker slash hackers, and the creators of the DAO themselves. And then the only people who have any say in any forking arrangement are the miners. Anyway, that's enough. That, that's, that's a long disclaimer there. Uh, today, Carl Flirsch, who you'll all be familiar with, um, he's, a, he's a developer at Consensus. We sat down to have a talk about our general feelings about what's taken place and how this is going to affect the community going forward and what we can learn from it. I mean, what does the DAO hack really mean? It's been an interesting time for everyone the last few days. So, without further ado. Dude. <laughs> what a day, man. It's been weird. I know. that This weekend has been insane. Like, there's been no downtime, no rest, no, like, oh, it's been insane. It's been real weird, yeah. Um, it's really not about the community. Like, the community can handle it. The, the community, we can roll back or we can do whatever and, you know, whatever we choose there is going to be okay. But it's just whether or not we're going to see any, you know, further action and, you know, from who or by who, that's where it's, it gets a little bit like more mysterious. Because you never want the, I mean, the, the, the real bane of crypto is like, does the government come in and just clamp down? Well, I think they'll handle it pretty well. I think I think what'll happen is everyone holding DAO tokens will uh, will be paid out, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I believe the same, and I, I think that that's really the only option. And honestly, there's a lot of talk about you know not bailing out the banks. How the bailing out the banks is a you know bad idea. And number one, it's not really bailing out the banks. It's much more equivalent to you know one person stealing a lot of money and then giving people back their money. Um, but, but still, it, it, 
I think that 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 whole rhetoric only works because of the crypto community and how you know anti centralized authority uh, the whole I mean the whole movement came out of that kind of sentiment. This is not this isn't centralized at all though. This is minor consensus. You know this is uh, the the idea of doing of of the bailout. And I mean I know we're not we're not really probably shouldn't have too much of an opinion on this. Um, <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I think we can be a bit candid about it, though. But um, it comes down to this idea that you know, it's so, at the end of the day, social consensus trumps all, and uh, and the economic consensus mechanism that uh, of mining, right, that rides on top of the social consensus that mining is a uh, is a good benchmark for establishing a fair and reasonable. Uh, a fair and reasonable um, history of events, right? Carl, you and I talk about uh, have talked in the past about how this is ultimately Ethereum is ultimately going to become a record of the state of humanity at all uh, at all moments in time. There, there are ideology, uh, ideologies behind it, um, but the real reason why we're doing this is for a you know universal good amongst people, and so the the idea is that if you have a group of people that is basically using this um, this very powerful tool to um, organize. Then, if that group of people decides that that tool needs to be changed for, you know, whatever reason, be it uh, you know the DAO hack or you know five ten years from now some kind of massive global warming uh, induced um, climate you know catastrophe where half of the world gets split off from the other half, and you have this. You know, a fork arise there. You you need um, a social mechanism for uh, basically reuniting people um, in 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 times of crisis. And this is definitely um, considering the size of the community is re- relatively small. Um, even even something like one hacker um, stealing from one smart contract that is a definite you know minor minor crisis. Um, and so the 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 benefit of of stating of setting a precedent for um, a community coming together and solving a big problem is a much more powerful precedent than the idea that you know oh now my ten ether smart contract is not safe because no no one's going to care about your ten ether smart contract um, it's it's really the social consensus trumps everything I think what's uh... The big misconception that I think people have about Ethereum, and this is not, this is, you know, this is just my opinion, right? Uh, I think Ethereum is not even really live yet, right? Like very, the network itself can only perform read operations at scale. It can, can't perform write operations at a sufficiently, uh, sufficiently high scale to, to do anything, right? Like, the, you know, the universal sharing network that Slocket was building there's that would never have gone online until we had scaling right you know it, it wouldn't have worked because <laughs> yeah. it acquired so <laughs> right. much transaction that you know it just it would not work for two years you know that well the ethereum protocol couldn't couldn't support it for uh for two years from now you know and that's just a guess so that this the starting gun hasn't gone off yet you know this hasn't started but people think of uh people think of ethereum very much in the same vein as bitcoin um or these other cryptocurrencies as in it's live. The network is live, so so it's all on. But in fact, you know, we are just building, just now beginning to build prototypes. 
You know, I mean, the last, say, three years, you know, if we're going to say the, uh, the altcoin boom started, say, mid-2013, uh, mid you know, I mean, we've been, pro we've been experimenting with various things for, uh, for a really long time. <clears throat> well, I mean, three years isn't that long, I suppose, in, a, in the scheme of things. But we've only just now reached the t a point where we can actually prototype out solutions to problems. And, um, and we couldn't even start doing that until we had Ethereum in the first place. And Ethereum itself is um, still undergoing intense research. It could only do 20 transactions a second. You can't, uh, you can't build a web scale application environment on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just the, the, it really comes down to the scope of the project to some extent. Um, you, you have uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin is a currency and you know, they want value transfer from point A to point B and call it a day, right? And that very small scope, that tiny little application, seemingly small application, is insanely difficult, right? They, they haven't figured out how to scale their one value transfer to the next person. Um, so the idea that a fully, like a building a virtual machine and a consensus algorithm would be, you know, done and finished and not kind of in a volatile state so early on is, is, is definitely, definitely silly. And it's, it's actually, honestly, this is the, the exciting part though, because what, what we're, what we're experiencing is we're experiencing a, uh, a technology that has so much potential and such a large scope that's trying to achieve so much, right? That it's able to rapidly iterate through both, you know, upsides and downsides, right? We have monumental achievements a month ago, right? Where a hundred million dollars is contained in a little tiny smart contract, a system of smart contracts. You have the momentous achievement, right? And then a few weeks later, you have a mental failure, you know, learning experience, if you want to put it in a nice light, where you just... <laughs> that's, a, that's a real silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a silver lining to everything. But uh, it's just, you just, you, you, you get this really rapid iteration that you're not going to, to see in a um, tightly scoped project. But when you, when you do that, when you, when you build a platform for other things to exist. Um, and the platform has been remarkably secure and remarkably stable. But when you do that, you have to expect that the, the, the things that are going to come out of this platform for the first year or two years are going to be, you know, there's not going to be a hundred percent success rate, but there will be some success rates. You know, I mean, I have faith that the, the MakerDAO people are, you know, going to, I mean, they reacted pretty quickly to finding uh, the, the bug, the exploit in their code. You know, I, I think that there are going to be some success stories here um, and there are going to be a bunch of projects that come out of it, you know, um, that, are, that, that we were able to both, you know, things that, things that we do well and things that we, we don't do so well and we'll, we'll be able to go, grow so quickly. Um, and I think really that's the, that's the like, key to the both both how can how uh how ethereum as a platform was kind of structured and how it's envisioned you know as this open innovation platform and also how the the community and the culture behind it, it we we not only do like we have this culture of kind of being on the cutting edge 
but now it's kind of now it's the time to put that to the test and see you know are we really willing to to um ride these ups and downs and make sure that everything goes well and i think i really do think that we will be able to take advantage of this situation to basically show our resilience just like uh any other kind of big scale event you know the having is going to happen in bitcoin that's going to see we'll see how resilient bitcoin is in that circumstance so should be fun so let's talk about uh yeah right i mean it's just there's shocks to the network as as happens so let's talk about the actual attack itself and and, and particularly in relation to maker because maker They've just they had this uh, discovered a bug. Um, it's not the exact same bug, but it's a similar style of bug, is is, is my understanding. Uh, and that was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, was it? Yeah, essentially. Um, so so what happened was there was a um, a bug that was discovered. It actually um, this has been known for for a for for a while um i believe it actually came up in like original security audits of ethereum and uh and solidity language if you send a transaction before you tell your smart contract you update your smart contract to say that that transaction was sent then you're able to be exploited by essentially calling that send function multiple times it's called the recursive call um exploit and so the the maker Basically, there was an article, a few articles actually, eventually, uh, that came out explaining this bug and how it's pretty widespread. And Hacking Distributed has some really great articles on all of this stuff if you want to check it out. Essentially, they found that there are a lot of uh, Solidity smart contracts that are vulnerable to this recursive call bug exploit. And the Maker team found this, found this bug and actually used it to steal all the money from the MakerDAO. Um, but here's but they they stole the but they stole the money um, stole the ether. I think it was something like over a hundred thousand. I I don't know exactly how much. Um, but they stole all the money and they were actually able to recover without any losses. Essentially, they just told everyone you know stop ordering you know transactions, stop make you know trading this. We need to just kind of shut down everything. And then they stole all the money. So that happened you know a few weeks ago and. We should probably clarify that it was the developers of Maker themselves that stole the money from their own DAO. Yes, the developers of Maker themselves stole the money from their DAO. So, so the uh, they steal this money, and then Stephen Tall and the Slocket team released a blog post that said, "Well, the this exploit was found, and thankfully, it it there's no money at risk. However, it is in the DAO. There is a there they we have found that the DAO is vulnerable." But no money is at risk. So they thought that because the DAO had not um, like generated revenue, that there wouldn't be uh, any you know money that could be lost in this uh, with this DAO. But I mean, with this exploit. But uh, clearly, they were they were not so fortunate. Um, which is you know, it, it, looking back, it it really it makes you very uh, you know wonder about the the. Um, the 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 slocket uh, code review, um, but, but anyway, I'm not. I, I don't want to uh, dive too deep into that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's this this kind of. I remember, do you remember way back when uh, b- before Ethereum was a thing? Back when it was just a white paper. They there was a lot of discussion about how 
sure, you can make a Turing complete language um, or, or semi Turing complete, right? Because mm-hmm. Ethereum is not actually Turing complete. There's the gas, the, the entire gas function is a uh, gas mechanism is a limit on its Turing completeness. But people said, like, if, if you make this thing Turing complete, anything is going to be possible. And, uh, and it makes it very hard to build something secure when every single possible avenue of attack is, uh, is open. Um, what's that? Uh, given enough eyes, any, all bugs are shallow. Uh, when uh, <laughs> when Slocket raised all that money and put it in a single contract with absolutely no, uh, with absolutely no human check in there, it was... You know, and, and there was like a two, $220 million bounty on breaking that thing. Uh, of course it was going to get hacked. It seems like ridiculous. It seems just absolutely absurd in hindsight. Dino, yeah. right? Dino saw it coming a mile off. Um, so credit to, credit yeah, to him. Absolutely. I mean, there, there are definitely a lot of uh, people in the community that really saw this coming. Um, the, there was... Uh, there's a lot of media coverage of the DAO and people, you know, thinking that they're going to get rich and, you know, p- piling in all their money. Um, but people who were actually like technical and kind of could read the code or, um, you know, were, were proficient in the ecosystem were a little bit wary and also a little bit scared that the, all these people are putting money into something that essentially uh, has has not been tested nearly thoroughly enough to hold um, two hundred million dollars. You know, you have you have a uh, you know NASA sends up um, you know spaceships and they have to land on uh, comets that are you know flying around after ten years. So they do a lot of research and they put a lot of money into their but not only into their their projects to build them but into the code to make sure that they go exactly, that there are no bugs, that there are no unintended consequences. So you can write code that is not um, as prone to these kinds of these, these problems, but it really requires a, a discipline and a culture. And that, that discipline and culture is something that you know, really has to, uh, or, or it, it takes time and it also takes events like these you know, for, for that to really rise up. And I'm sure that we're going to see in the in the coming uh, weeks really interesting uh, movements in the actual, you know, both the Solidity programming language itself and you know other people proposing other propose, uh, pro- programming languages. We, we it it should be it should be a really interesting and um, like fun time, and it will make the entire ecosystem a lot more secure for the the time to come. Should I go into the exact how uh, the the DAO was essentially hacked? Why not? Yeah, do it. Go hard. All right. Well, it's a little eerie. At least one part is a little bit eerie. So so essentially, what happens with the the DAO um, is that you have to um, you make a split proposal. And if you if you want to split from the DAO, essentially, um, and that split proposal takes seven days to complete, and so uh, the the hacker essentially uh, what what the hacker did was create a a split proposal, and in the the you know the title of the split proposal wrote lonely, so lonely, um, and then. Seven days go by, and they essentially what they do is they fire a a a line of the code that um, will 
basically pay you out, reward you for the, the stuff that you've put in. Um, but what they did was they actually made it so that once that, 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 um, that reward has been given, the, uh, there's another call that is made to ask for the reward. And it gets into this, this, uh, this loop where you just send more and more you know, child tokens and they don't update the actual balance of the child DAO. And that, that this once again goes back to the fact that if you send before you update, you are in for trouble. And so this, the, the, basically the, the um, child DAO pulled out you know, something, uh, a, a ridiculous percentage of the actual DAO, millions and millions, I, I forget, oh, definitely over 30 million. Uh, I think it was like, what, 60 million? I don't know. Um, but depends on the price. Uh, it was three and a half million ether. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. That. So, so okay. So the, this this child DAO essentially pulls out all this ether, right? But now you have another problem. One of the features, uh, and this was actually in hindsight, thank goodness, this was a feature of the DAO. When you create a new DAO, and this happened when, for the original DAO's creation as well, you have to wait like twenty nine days. Uh, before you can actually move any funds, before the DAO is really activated, um, and so that child DAO had tons of money from the the parent DAO, but it couldn't actually move the funds anywhere. It wasn't able to to basically split or you know it's, it like withdraw from the 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 child DAO, and so uh, that essentially froze those assets. And so, as you might imagine, immediately after the DAO has tons of money come out, uh, a soft fork proposal, um, essentially a proposal was made to freeze all of the assets past that 29-day period so that the, the hacker would never have access to that money. But here is the, where you, you go into the realm of speculation. So if this attacker had actually um, wanted to get a monetary benefit um, from, from performing this attack, which I, I think it's pretty safe to say uh, they would, they actually, it's possible, there was a $3, a $3 million short of Ether um, using Bitcoin right as the DAO started getting stolen, you know, all the money stolen from it. And so from that short, they made like, uh, you know, over $1, one million of profit. Um, just from that, that shorting the price of Ether. So they didn't actually even need to take their money out of the DAO to make a pretty substantial profit off of their attack. That being said, uh, there, there have been um, you know, people who are you know, claimed to be the, the attacker. They, they, the attacker may or may not have written a letter to, you know, to the Ethereum community and basically saying that they believe that the, the DAO was was supposed to be created in this way because of, you know, contract law, et cetera. And the, uh, they are, uh, you know, against both a soft or a hard fork. In other words, they want the money to, to not be frozen, which, you know, is not surprising. But it, it was pretty, a pretty elaborate attack that was made. It's elaborate, but also incredibly simple. And, and, and what would you do, you know, if you know that's going to happen? I mean, any much... What like here's what actually gets me. Why did why did the attacker stop? Oh oh well, here this is why. Um, so I believe that the reason is because they made a split proposal. They didn't make multiple split proposals. 
And so you need to wait seven days for split proposals to be approved and, and, and all that. Um, so it seems like they might not have made a bunch of split proposals. And so I'm the, that seven days did not, uh, like they didn't have the ability to split more than one time uh, from the, the parent DAO. And the reason why they, the actual Ether ran out, I, I, I can't say that I've read any um, specific reasons why, but w- one guess is that they were pulling out so much Ether that their original, their, their, their stealing smart contract basically ran out of gas to pay for all of the, the, the splits, so, or pay for all of the, the money to come out. Because so, you need to, when you're, when you're performing the attack, you actually need to pay the gas prices, um, and the, as as time goes on, the gas prices, you know, are going getting higher and higher. The more you're stealing, but that that may not be that may not be exactly why it stopped at uh, at at just you know just three million <laughs> ether. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like this is one of the most brazen uh, brazen hacks, I think. Wow, I mean, it's it's probably one of the biggest. It's probably the biggest hack that's that's ever taken place in uh, in cryptocurrency. Yeah, I mean, I would I I would not I would not disagree with that. Uh, it was it was absolutely pretty pretty incredible that the. Uh, I mean, it was kind of an open door though. I mean, we we to to be honest, the the attacker while um, the attacker I'm sure was, uh, you know, doing doing his research and doing his homework. At the same time, it's not something that's unconceivable. Uh, for instance, anyone who was following the solidity developments on, you know, the exploits and stuff, and had some uh, just a ton of time to invest in this, could have probably uh, come up with an attack pretty similarly. And so it should have, in other words, it should have come up in security audits. In you know, once we started hearing about the the vulnerability. And this this brings us to a, a, a weird kind of juncture, and that is, should these things be fully autonomous? Yeah, exactly. I think that we're we're going to go through a phase of both um, of you know a mix where where some things have essentially are are mostly autonomous, and then they have you know curators that it wasn't it wasn't technically fully autonomous. You know, there are parts that are fully autonomous. Um, and that you're not going to avoid. If you're putting it together a smart contract, you are you are basically you know giving it some kind of autonomy. So it's really like how much autonomy are we talking? And I I would I would say that this is not a shot against creating fully autonomous smart contracts. This is not a shot against smart contracts in general. And this isn't even a shot against the the EVM or Solidity language. This is more about a uh, like an educational uh, educational issue and also a, a kind of sentiment issue where we, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that people who have essentially not done their homework are able to get so much publicity on something like, you know, the Dow. And just from an ideological perspective, it was great. But from an implementation perspective, it, there were problems from day one. You know, there was a white, white paper written by Vlad and by Dino and Emin uh, that that uh, essentially went over even more vulnerabilities on the DAO. We've got time to to expand upon this stuff. Yeah, I hope we do. It feels like this is the big moment. Things just got real, 
up until now we were we were quite we were in in this kind of blissful land of uh the euphoria of success was was in the air but all of a sudden um we've had quite a reality check and it's interesting that you brought up the nasa you know nasa programming because as uh as christian lundqvist said on friday uh, i was talking to him about it and uh and yeah, and Christian said, yeah, we, that's how we should be looking at these things. We, we are definitely leaving the infancy of the project to some extent with this, this attack. It is a, uh, like a maturing of the ecosystem. The, in other words, if this, if this attack didn't happen, right, and we didn't lose tons of money, it would have taken months, if not years, to mature in the ways that I think we are going to be seeing happening right now. You know, in, in, in a few days, we're going to see people come out everywhere talking about solidity, the importance of solidity and how, or, or possibly, you know, the importance of building a new programming language or updating the EVM to not allow call operations. Or the, there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of, a lot of shifted focus, essentially. There's going to be a focus where if you are not a legitimate Solidity contract uh, developer, or if you are your your contract is not built on secure primitives, then you are going to face a lot of criticism, and I think very founded criticism. And so it, it should be it should be actually a it should I think grow the ecosystem as long as people are are not um, just disillusioned and irrationally angry at the fact that it happened. There's uh, there's another thing that. This kind of makes me think of, and it's the idea that, well, it's nice to think about having computers that uh, that that run the world and 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 organize us socially. Um, and the concept of a DAO really comes comes from this. The only thing, if they are completely autonomous uh, and and there is no human intervention, that's Skynet, right? I mean, because we we joke about Skynet all the time. I mean, that's. <laughs> but what is what is the difference between Skynet and something that is uh, that is going to have a, a positive influ- influence on the world? And I feel like it's human involvement, and and that is one thing that wasn't here. I mean, there's not even any way for them to patch it and fix it, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's no way, no way that to to just patch the DAO. Right? There's no way to do that. And I, I actually totally agree with you in that. Programming in a human aspect to something is extremely difficult. It's, it's unbelievably difficult to program in humanity, if not impossible. You know, you, and and the, the idea of a judgment call, right? That's something that is, is very difficult for a computer to do. I mean, yes, we are, we are able to replicate some sorts of judgment calls in, in, a, in simple cases with machine learning where you know you you can judge that someone is going to click on a banner ad or definitely not click on a banner ad but uh you can also it's 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 much more difficult when your the variables get get increased you know immensely so you you get like the judgment call of when to hard fork or when to soft fork a network right and that i think that is cl- the closest thing to bringing humanity into the the network, you know, being able to say, "Hey, we actually don't want to stand for this. Let's, you know, let's change how the co- the computer is getting is what basically what happened." That uh, that judgment call is is extremely difficult to make because you're you're essentially you have to balance many different parties, many different instru- int- interest groups, 
um, many different consequences. There's so much in there that that is kind of innate to being a human and even compassion and uh, figuring out how exactly to make everyone happy and make everyone feel good after that. We're just, we're a long way from that kind of um, intelligence, from creating that kind of intelligence. Um, So I think embracing the, the fact that, yes, we have the ability to control this network is not something that we should really run away from 100%. You know, I mean, I understand that there's the, you know, judges don't make good decisions a lot of the time and the, the, the human beings are flawed, that's for sure. But at the same time, we, we can't like, we have something, right? We're here, we're, we're here and we have something to offer. That's one of the most bizarre, uh, bizarre but, uh, but pertinent revelations to, uh, to, to bring up at a time like this, that, um, that humans actually can do some things pretty well. You know, it's uh, machines are great and all, and uh, and and it's it's great to have more special purpose minds working on various tasks. But at the end of the day, humans have this uh, this unique um, this unique kind of load balancing ability with between judgment and uh, and menial tasks and and the ability to think creatively and uh, and there's some randomness mixed in there, just you know, just a drop of randomness. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and stuff that we won't see in our lifetimes in computers. Everyone's really excited about this whole uh, this whole AI thing, and uh, and people are starting to say, "Wow, maybe it's not as hard as we thought." I think there's going to be. <laughs> I think people are going to figure out that this actually turned out to be. No, it, it turns out it was really hard the whole time. You know, you can make a computer that can beat a guy at go, right? But that's only one very small thing. Yeah, exactly. You, you like, and I mean, honestly, it's like, uh, I mean, yes, human beings have gotten a lot of attention and, you know, history, we've kind of focused on ourselves and, you know, we've kind of, we bring ourselves to the highest pinnacle of admiration, right? All, we are the only non-animal. Um, but at the same time, like, this is kind of a, an interesting point in history where basically computers are, at least in a lot of groups, seen as, you know, way way superior to to humans in a lot of respects and and we should basically just uh you know let them run and i think that there's you know something there and there's definitely it's it's one i mean it, but it's always a balance right you you don't you can't you can't you can't take everything in one uh in one area it's like we ha- we have something to offer here too and so hopefully we won't be all unemployed and uh you know a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It's, it all comes down to the A in Dao, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, there, there's, the A exists everywhere, right? You, while um, you don't have kind of the autonomy, that it's, it's easy to picture that the Dao is this autonomous uh, cr- creation, right? And that it has a mechanism where it can make judgments and do crazy things, right? That's easy to picture, but really it's, it's everywhere. Whenever you write code, even if it's on a small scale and it's not distributed on this global network that we call Ethereum, it's, and it's just, you know, on your computer, that is an autonomous thing that, that, that has been created. So it's really like, um, creating, uh, figuring out a way to balance the, you know, intent of creating, uh, you know, you, you want to create an application, you have a specific intent, right? And you want that application to reflect that intent. And Vitalik wrote a great article on this um, just a few days ago. And you, you 
you have that intent and from the moment that you hit go, right, it becomes autonomous and you just basically sit back and you watch, you say, is my intent being fulfilled? And then in the DAO's case, we watch and we see, no, the intent was for the most part was not being fulfilled. And so you get your, your back at the, you know, human judgment call level. And it's, it's a, yeah, there's, 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 we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we, if we're able to make that, that judgment call. That uh, letter, you know, from the hacker, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know that I wasn't very convinced by it, but um, the, uh, the sentiment that, um, and I used to share it, that idea that, you know, what, whatever's encoded in, uh, in the smart contract is law, right? You know, this, this is this whole thing of, um, we've all done a gr- lot of growing up in the last <laughs> yeah, <couple> of days. Exactly. <laughs> but um, the idea that that is, uh, that is law and that is all there is. Like, in fact, no, nah, the network exists to serve man. And, yeah. <laughs> and that element of intent does come in and uh, and is relevant and intent also feeds back into that social uh this the social consensus that the economic consensus of mining uh, exists on top of and because we have the social consensus and and the ability for a uh for a group of us the miners to actually determine what they uh what version of history they want to support i mean that's what the economic consensus mechanism is designed to do they can uh, they can look at the intent of the code. <laughs> you know, I never would have said this three days ago, but it's it's been a really interesting uh, it's been a really interesting time for for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have no money in the DAO, and I from day one did not like the idea of the DAO and had no interest. I made up a I had a presentation and I gave a presentation on the Doge DAO the day that the DAO was created because I just felt it was so ridiculous that we had a few hundred lines of code that was now in control of hundreds of millions of dollars and there was no way that that wasn't going to cause problems um, either not return give any yield any returns for the investors or yield uh, you know or it just all gets stolen and so it was it was the latter but I I think that the uh, the greatest indicator, um, and the reason why, the reason for all my kind of judgments is really like what 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 is best for the community, and and of course I think it's the community that has to really decide that um, and kind of come to a, a, a decision on that. But has, my my experience uh, being in the Ethereum community has been really extremely positive. You know, there people here have are are have been open to. Different ideas have not been like attacking each other. We've been kind of working towards this goal, and we all kind of we're we're in it not for the the rise and the riches. We're in it for the idea of this social equalizer and this this idea of this um, incredible uh, efficiencies that we can gain by trusting um, you know a computer to execute some of the code. And now I say that it has a little bitter taste in my mouth but you know that's that's just i i, I really do uh believe that the the community has this has a has a bit of a you know a unified and a positive outlook um or at least it has and so it's not i i really don't doubt that we will be able to you know figure out a a good uh resolution to this and that that essentially makes everyone you know feel like they are not 
being uh, excluded. It's not just because we have zealots that are coming here and saying, you know, I believe this, I have uh, an idea for the world, and it's really not backed up by anything but my gut instinct. Um, it's more about like compassion, asking people, and then eventually making the hard decision. And the, the ability for the Ethereum community to make those hard decisions is, is a unique, unique factor. And I, I do believe that while we're in this uh, stage of kind of basically the beta phase of, of Ethereum or the alpha phase of Ethereum, it is really important that we are able to make tough decisions like this. And it will set a precedent for in the future when the world is using this software to run their lives. Uh, that that there will be a precedent for making the tough decision to help humans and not just say, all right, the computer screwed us over. Let's just take it and move on. Like, we don't have to take it. We are in control. Links, where can we, where, where, <laughs> I know there's a lot of stuff out there. What are the good, <laughs> uh, what are the good resources that people should um, have a look at? Yeah, so, so probably the best technical resource is going to be Hacking Distributed. Um, it's hackingdistributed.com. Awesome articles that just are, yeah, fantastic articles on the, the exploits in the DAO. Um, but for, uh, in general, you can find great links on the, the Vitalik's blog, the blog post one and two. Um, and also, if you want just a kind of a general idea, you can get a surface uh, view for in, in the the understanding the DAO attack for journalists. Um, that's another another good resource. Um, but I'm sure in the coming uh, few days there'll be a lot more. Uh, the only my only major advice for the links is that if you see something on like the front page of a news outlet, that that is probably going to be woefully simplified and wildly uh, inaccurate in in some respects. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's some great stuff from from Vitalik, honestly. Yeah, right. Of course, always, always, and um, which and and a credit to him for acting so quickly and so decisively. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, like the way that the way that uh, there was a Reddit post the morning of stating his feelings for this, you know, for the plan forward, like that. That was a huge, huge boon for the community. I don't think we realized that because you know the price of ether right now is still way up there. It's still at record highs. So we, and I think we can really attribute that to the, the ability to make quick and, you know, good decisions by, by uh, you know, Vitalik, who really is, has taken the role of keeping, keeping this, uh, you know, everyone on the right track. And also he wasn't like heavy handed. He, you know, he's saying he personally feels that this is the right way to go. But they, the Ethereum community uh, or the Ethereum Foundation, you know, wants the community to really agree. Uh, it's not we're not just you know no shoving down people's throats. Well, the the foundation doesn't have the ability to make any of these decisions anyway. It it is entirely in the hands of the miners, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's why it is really interesting. You know, the the economic consensus. If the community has a consensus, then the economic consensus. I mean, the 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 miners have an Incentive to to follow the 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 community essentially, because then the price will go up and all that stuff. May that may may we resume that trend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we will, we will. There's no doubt. All right. Hey, Cole. It's been awesome talking, Carl. I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Carl, and thank you, Crypto Compare. This has been the Ether Review. 
Visit etherreview.info for more episodes, email contact at etherreview.info or follow us on Twitter at etherreview. <laughs>